Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean Cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 319. Maybe you've been asked this question, what do you love about going on Royal Caribbean cruises the most? What endears a cruise vacation to you? And after going on a few cruises, what aspects of a cruise, large or small, do you relish the most? I began thinking about this after returning home from a recent cruise, and I'm going to be sharing in this week's episode some of the things that I love and now miss the most about being on a cruise. Here we go. When I got home from Royal Caribbean's Mariner of the Seas recently, I began to think in the day that I got back, obviously filled with a lot of remorse that the cruise is over and how I wish I was still back on board. But that feeling of wanting to be back on board kind of made me think about, well, what do I actually miss? Like, what what do I, what would I love to have right now if I could? What makes a cruise so much fun? And obviously there's a lot that makes cruises fun, but I try to nail it down into, you know, a couple of things that really stand out, things that I absolutely love. And it's I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, I love the, you know, all the signature activities and, you know, start going down like, you know, the flow rider and, and this and that. It's not about specific activities or things to do necessarily. It is about the things that I think separate a cruise vacation from a land vacation and certainly regular life, right? And looking back on my recent cruise experience, I, I started thinking about, okay, what what do I love about when I step foot on a cruise ship? What is it that really draws me to the total experience? What aspects of it really are compelling and the kind of things that, you know, when you're on a cruise, it's, it's hard to explain to people who haven't been on a cruise yet, but as soon as you do experience it for yourself, you kind of get it, if you will. Uh, and certainly the first thing that came to my mind was meals and food available all the time. I mean, who here who's gone on a cruise has not gotten home from their cruise and then realized I'm hungry and B, Nobody's making it for me except for myself, right? You've got to make your own meals at home. You've got to make that decision. Do I, do we, do we, you know, make something at home? Do we go out for dinner? But no matter what happens, I mean, you're responsible for doing that. And on a cruise ship, that guesswork is is out of your hands. You don't have to worry about it. And as soon as you step foot on that ship, you're going to have opportunities to enjoy food throughout your cruise, right? Whether it is kind of grab-and-go sandwiches or pizza at Cafe Promenade, perhaps it's going to the main dining room, the Wynn-Jamer, especially restaurants. The bottom line is you don't go home hungry. You're not. You're rarely, if ever, hungry on a cruise ship, to be honest with you. And so having the food and meals available to you all the time, I think is probably one of those things that really stands out to me as a, a the, that feeling of being on a cruise ship. And it's, it's not also something you can really replicate on land vacation. Sure, you can go to an all-inclusive and maybe some other types of, you know, things that are similar to cruises. But again, being on the cruise ship, having easy access to this throughout the day, throughout the night, I, I love it. I, I think it really makes it a whole lot easier, especially for us as a family. You know, our kids are picky. I'm sure every parent listening right now knows that feeling, right? It's like, well, you would rather have, you know, X, Y, Z, and the kids always want to have chicken fingers, pizza, a burger or a hot dog, right? It's like the same like seven things that they always go through. And on a cruise ship, that's a whole lot easier. You know, one of the truths I've discovered out of cruising was that, you know, we don't have to force the kids to do exactly what we do all the time, including eating, right? And if they want to have pizza the entire cruise, let them have pizza. It's it's kind of like paraphrasing uh, Marie Antoinette, right? Let them eat cake. Let them eat pizza. It's totally the same thing. <laughs> um, but I'll tell you that, Having that option there makes our lives easier, right? For the kids, they know what to expect. They already, I mean, if you, my kids were sitting here right now, they could rattle off 
about three or four things they'll probably eat an ungodly amount of on their cruise. And that's what they like. That's what they enjoy. And it is their vacation after all. So if they want to eat burgers, hot dogs, and pizza, and maybe some chicken fingers rolled in there, more power to them. It's their vacation. And at the same time, for me and my wife, we get to enjoy, obviously, not having to prepare the meals, not having to, oh, who's going to go to the grocery store to pick this up? Oh, we gotta, we're going to grill outside. We don't have to worry about any of those things. It's all taken care of for you. And it really just makes it a whole lot simpler. So that's number one. No doubt about that. The number two thing that I think I really miss about being on a cruise is the entertainment on board. And Royal Caribbean really has created a reputation for itself based on the entertainment, right? Uh, these ships are more than you know just a floating hotel. There is a ton of activities to do on board. And what, what I really love about all the entertainment on board is how much varied entertainment there is. I was recently on a Royal Caribbean cruise and we were there actually with someone who had never been on a ship before, never been on a cruise ship before. And they, I think after the second or third day, they were really struck by, and they, they told me, so they, they really were struck by the um, the sheer variety of things to do. I think they really did believe that cruise ships are basically a giant floating hotel with a pool in the middle. And then you go in there and you eat at some point, right? And it's more than that. There's a lot of things to do on board, right? And the entertainment, I think, is really a big part of what separates Royal Caribbean from the rest of the industry. I mean, certainly all ships have entertainment, don't get me wrong, but what Royal Caribbean has is a, a great variety of entertainment on there, right? So you're gonna have shows in the theater, whether it's a, com a comedian, whether it is a stage production, uh, whether it is a game show, there's things to do in there. You've got live music throughout the day, right? You're gonna have the pool band, you're going to have the acoustic guitar player in the pub, you're gonna have the piano player in the schooner bar, and you've got the club up in somewhere on the ship. Uh, you know, you've got those kind of live music opportunities. And again, depending on the ship class, even more varied options there. But there's always that live music aspect to it. Um, you know, you've got entertainment for the kids on there. I mean, sometimes it's just movies. Sometimes you, well, I can't believe that movie is out. Let's go watch it, you know, or see a movie we've seen before and, and really enjoy. You know, you've got all that entertainment on board. And kind of like how I talked about the food and meals being available to you, I think the entertainment being also included in the in the cruise fair is a big part of it because you really can sit there and say okay well let's um you know let's start out and, and hang by the pool so we can listen to that pool band and then you know after we get ready for dinner uh let's go let's go to boleros and enjoy some live music there and then maybe after dinner you know we'll, we'll take in a show in the royal theater and then wrap it up with maybe some time in the pub enjoying some classic hits right but you have you can change up every day of your cruise and there's so many opportunities to do that. I mean, obviously the street parties and and uh, the, the cruise director staff really keeps you going and gives you plenty of choices there. And I like that. I think that is the having those choices to me is a big part of why I love cruising. You know, one of the things I always like to say about cruising is I, you know, for me, variety is the spice of life. And having those choices in in this case, entertainment is absolutely what I relish because I think it allows us to, you know, you know, you can't predict ahead of time, oh, I know I'm going to want to do, you know, this particular activity or this thing, but sometimes you're in the mood for for dancing and, and, and a big band. Sometimes you just want to, you know, sing along to your favorite uh, tunes from the 70s, 80s, and 90s uh, in the pub. Sometimes you just want to have the, the piano player play. Sometimes you just want to go to trivia. Uh, you know, there's so many cool options there and, you know, and it's available throughout the day. 
And uh, my, my favorite C-Day activities is just to do a ton of trivia, right? You start off with the 10 a.m. trivia, which is usually general trivia. And then you, if you play your cards right on some ships, you can do like, you know, three or four trivia sessions before lunch. And it's, it's I don't care about winning anymore. It's, certainly, it's nice if I can, but it's it's more about just, it's kind of a challenge. It's kind of a good social activity as well. So entertainment on board is definitely number two for me. Uh, the other thing I really like about going on a cruise, by the way, is Adventure Ocean. And if my daughter was here, either one, they would tell you they love Adventure Ocean too. And as a parent, this is something that is, quite frankly, unrivaled uh, that we found elsewhere. I mean, the, your choices on land are really a babysitter, a family member, right? Uh, I mean, you know, to have the kind of supervised childcare that also combines programming, right? Things for them to do. It's not just somebody, okay, let's watch a movie and, and eat popcorn. This is more than that. You know, they're 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 actively doing things and socializing, they're playing, they're 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 creating arts and crafts. I mean, they're doing things together and they're having a good time about it. And Adventure Ocean is in my opinion one of the best uh, equal trade-offs in the cruise experience. So the kids, it's something to do on board. And it was interesting because when we first started cruising, you know, we knew Adventure Ocean was a thing, but I don't think we really knew exactly what was going on with it. And with both kids who are now eight and four, at least the time of this recording, they both have really grown up with Adventure Ocean, starting off with the nursery, moving up to Aquanauts, and now uh, the oldest is up in Explorers. And it is a it is as much a part of the cruise experience for the kids as it is for us. Because the kids get to go and they get to have fun with the counselors, meet other kids on there. Inevitably, they make a couple friends on the ship and it's, it's kind of a really uh, great activity. So it keeps them entertained. It's something for them to look forward to and something for them to enjoy. Now, from the parent standpoint, the reason why Adventure Ocean makes my list here is because, again, it offers you, as a parent, some some escape from your children. I mean that in the nicest, most loving family way possible. Uh, it is an option, an opportunity to get away. And as parents, and a lot of parents, I'm sure are listening to this one know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, it's great when you have date night, right? Even when you have a babysitter or you have a family member who comes in. But the problem with both of those scenarios is you're paying somebody to have a couple hours away or you are, um, you know, you almost feel like you're, you're saddling somebody with the responsibility, right? Can your parents watch the kids? Yeah, I guess they can, but they've watched them a couple times already this month. And, you know, it, you always feel a little guilty with this. Adventure Ocean, I feel no guilt. <laughs> I, I, I salute and say, see ya, and head on out of there. But for, for uh, in all honesty, I mean, really, the, the way that my wife and I look at it is it's kind of like going on a cruise. It's kind of like having date night every night of the cruise because the kids are in Adventure Ocean. Heck, even the daytime, it's nice to be able to, you know, we said, let's our kids, look, this is what we want to do. We're going to go, you know, sit by the pool and read, or we're going to go do trivia most of the afternoon. If you want to come with us, come with us. But, you know, if and when you end up staying in me, you're bored, we'll go to Adventure Ocean. And I think that the uh, option of Adventure Ocean there really uh, endears them to that because, again, it gives them that, that choice there. And for us as parents, it's an opportunity to spend some time together. So it's funny because Adventure Ocean, you think of that, you think, oh, well, that's a kid thing. But it's as much as an adult thing as it is a kid thing because of the opportunities it affords. And the last thing that I think I really miss about being on a Royal Caribbean cruise, and this is the one that's the hardest to explain, and if you've been on a cruise, I think you're going to understand this one as I start describing it. I'm calling, I wrote this down on my list, I'm calling escapism of a cruise. What I mean by that is there is a certain lifestyle that you have on a cruise ship. It's it's You don't do this in, um, back at home, right? Whether it is uh, sleeping in, 
whether it is going to shows uh, in the evening, whether it's having dinner at eight o'clock and thinking that's a normal thing. You know, it's getting out of your regular routine and in, in, in exchange, entering cruise mode, if you will. And we all have different ways of getting into cruise mode. And in my way and your way may be completely different, right? Some people love sleeping in. Some people love waking up early. Some people like, you know, spending all their day at the pool and, you know, only coming downstairs back to their room to shower and maybe head up to the wind gym air. I mean, you know, for everybody's got their own way of it. But what I think the core of it is, is that escapism. It's that change in your lifestyle that, you go, and after a couple of days, you start forgetting, like, you know, you ever, you know, when you're at work during the course of the week, and you know what time you you, you stop for lunch, you know what time you got to pick up the kids at school, you know what time you got to start making dinner, there's a routine to it, and it becomes the same thing every day, every day, every day, and the weekend, you get a little bit of a reprieve from that, but it's still, like, it's too short, right? it's two days, and, you know, inevitably, there's activities going on, so it's not quite the same thing. On a cruise ship, when you're on there, you get that escapism, you get that opportunity to kind of break the mold and just do what you want to do. And on some cruises, that is exploring tons of places, like going to Alaska. You know, it's it's one fantastic uh, vista and, and adventure after another. And on some Caribbean cruises, it's some of that. And a lot of it is, you know, kind of just taking it easy. And I know that, you know, my kids love when we get the opportunity for them just to sleep in. When they say, you know, you guys wake up whenever you want to wake up. And, you know, we'll kind of take it from there. It's kind of a neat thing to be able to do. And cruising, in my opinion offers that unique opportunity of crafting your own schedule and kind of getting it away from it all, uh, but still doing things. You know, a lot of times people think of getting away from it all and thinking about, yo, like going to some cabin in the woods and <laughs> with no electricity, uh, you know, and just kind of like, I don't know, telling stories of the old countries and like that. I mean, it's it's it can be a very, you know, there can be activities involved with that, but it is about also what you kind of feel like at the moment. And when you get back home from a cruise, the thing that always strikes me is that, oh, I, 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 I can't just not set an alarm. I have to start planning things out in advance. I have to start, you know, we have to get back in that routine. And you almost forget it. You know, you start, you, you stop uh, fearing, if you will, certain times of the day. And when I say fearing, I mean, like, you know, you start thinking like, oh, gosh, I got to go you know, go to the, it's Monday, I gotta go to the grocery store, oh, it's Wednesday, I gotta pick up the kids early today at school, you know, like all those little things kind of go out the door on a cruise, and for a brief fleeting couple days, you might even just completely forget about that that whole thought process until you get back, and and I think coming back from the cruise, it becomes more paramount, and again, it's hard to explain people who haven't been on a cruise yet what they mean and why you like, it. and that's, of course, a lot of Repeat cruisers will often be asked by friends and family, well, you're going on a cruise again? What's so great about it? Why are you going on so many cruises? And I think the escapism of a cruise really is that mantra that's hard to describe. You can't be like, well, it's quite obvious. It's, you know, X, Y, and Z, and that's exactly why I love doing this. It's not about that. It is just something that we all do, but we all do in our different ways, and that really separates it. So, you know, these are the kind of things that I thought about. Hmm, you know, this is what kind of, makes those those moments, those feelings of being on a cruise so special. And why when it's over, you really can have those post-cruise blues and that that pseudo-depression where it's like, oh, it's not only is it over, but all those things I talked about earlier in this episode are now not available to you anymore. 
Alrighty, time to answer your listener emails. Uh, this is the part of the episode where I dive into the email inbox and answer the questions you have sent to me. And you can always send them to matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Our first email this week is from John, who writes, My wife and I are doing an eight-night Southern Caribbean cruise on Adventure of the Seas in February 2020. We're going to the ABC Islands. We're wondering what to do on each island. My wife would like to do Flamingo Excursion in Aruba. Does Royal offer an excursion that goes there? If not, can you recommend a tour operator who does? Love the podcast and all the info it provides. Thanks, John, for the email. Appreciate it. Um, you know, there's a lot of different excursion options. Number one place you want to check is the Cruise Planner website. This is when you, after you book the cruise, you go to Royal Caribbean's website. Log into your account, go to your sailing, and you will see a full list of options that are there. Uh, John, I can't tell you definitively if Royal Caribbean does offer that, but I can tell you that in, in general, that's the first place you should start. And then obviously you can also look at third-party options as well. Um, if you are interested in doing it through Royal Caribbean, one option you should consider, John, we don't I don't think it gets nearly enough attention. I, I've certainly done some episodes here about it, but private journeys is a customized private excursion through Royal Caribbean. You basically, you tell Royal Caribbean, hey, I wanna do X, Y, and Z, but it's a private tour, so it's just you and the tour guide, and it allows you to exactly customize your option. I'm gonna look at that also if you don't find it, but obviously look for the group options first to see if that is available to you, John. So you wanna go to the Cruise Planner website and be able to check for it over there. Our next email comes to us from the Nelsons, who write, Hello, Matt, really enjoy your blogs. Our first cruise was on Allure of the Seas in 2015, and it hasn't been the same since. The Oasis class are favorites, with Anthem a close second. The question is, which nobody seems to answer, is, quote, We like balcony rooms, and we like the bed by the balcony, not the sofa. Is there a way to assure or request this? Uh, P.S. We can't wait for Oasis to come to Bayonne. So the way to figure it out, Nelsons, is you look at a deck plan, so you have the deck plan open. And then what you need to do is figure out the room configuration on any given room on that deck. Because what I'm talking about is if you can go to a YouTube video or somebody's photos on you know the Royal Caribbean blog message boards and you can determine definitively that room X, right? This particular stateroom has the sofas by the bed or the sofas by the window balcony, whatever you want to call it, um, they alternate. It's every other room and you just start counting down. So all you need to do is find a room on the deck and you can then figure it out. So again, if you're looking, you know, you basically go to YouTube, go to uh, Facebook, go to, I mean, do a Google image search for, you know, and try to find a specific room on a deck with somebody's final photo or video. Like, okay, now you definitively know that it's like that. And that's how you do it. Because otherwise, Nelson's, there isn't a way. Royal does not provide a means of which in the deck plan say, oh, this room has you know this particular configuration versus another it's not something that gets reflected in that so that's your best course of action next up is an email from michael vitale writes matt i've been wearing this for a while and then listening to your class of ships podcast i was wondering again can you imagine royal Caribbean ever building another small ship as the smaller older ships are becoming outdated not the standards and not worth amping can you ever imagine them actually building a sovereign radiance or vision class ship to continue servicing the itineraries that large ships cannot or maybe even to capitalize on the Florida perfect day weekender market, or do you think that ship has sailed, pun intended? Michael, thank you for the email. And the answer to your question is, no, I don't think that, I really don't foresee it. And the reason is, there's one reason, one reason only, the reason for so many things in this world, money. Uh, basically, Royal Caribbean has established with the ships an economy of cost. When they built Sovereign of the Seas, it was at the time the largest cruise ship, and it presented them a financial benefit that was unparalleled at the time. But as ships have gotten bigger over the years, they have figured out that they can make more money with these ships than they can with the smaller ships. Not to say they can't make money with those ships, obviously, we know that, right? But the difference is they will make an order of magnitude more with an Oasis class ship or a passenger ship that has 5,000 plus passengers than one that has 3,000 or 2,000 plus passengers. So that's 
component number one. And now, of course, you're not wrong, Michael. I mean, at the end of the day, there are certain ports that are not going to be able to be serviced by an Oasis class ship. You're just, it's just not going to happen. That being said, enter Royal Caribbean's subsidiary companies. Because again, you got to remember, Royal Caribbean, we talk about Royal Caribbean International, right? which is the ships that have, you know, something of the seas is their name. But Royal Caribbean is one cruise line in a major corporation called Royal Caribbean Cruises Limited. And this includes Royal Caribbean International, Celebrity Cruises, Azamara, and some investments in some other cruise lines that are not wholly owned by the, by Royal Caribbean, you know, like uh, Silver Sea and TUI and some others. But we won't get into that. Let's just focus purely on Azamara and Celebrity and Royal Caribbean International. Because what they would do, Michael, is say, okay, if we want to service a port like, I, I can't think of one right now, like Virgin Gorda, I think is the only one that comes to my mind. It's a tiny little island in the, in the Eastern Caribbean that Royal Caribbean really doesn't ever go to. But anyway, I just want to use that as an example because it is a smaller cruise port and now Empress of the Seas has started offering sailings there. You know, if they're going to service those smaller ports, they would rely on Celebrity or Azamara or even Silver Sea to offer those itineraries because those kind of ports are just generally going to be uh, you know, not available to the larger ships, but they still can service them in the grand scheme of the corporate umbrella. When you look at it from that strategy, it's a lot like car in the car industry, where General Motors, you know, you've got you've got Chevrolet, you've got GM, you know, you've got uh, Cadillac, you've got Corvette. You know, they they all have different niches, if you will, that they serve in the marketplace. And you know, ca what Cadillac builds is not the same as what you know Chevrolet is going to build or, or Corvette because. They're, they're different they're different brands they're different goals they're different audiences in mind and I really believe Michael that is the direction Royal Caribbean is taking now I know as many of you listening here are what you'd consider to be small ship kind of guys or gals right that's your jam that's what you enjoy you love the radiance class the vision class sovereign of the well, sovereign's on the fleet anymore but <laughs> majesty of the seas and you know what I mean like those are the kinds of ships you you love and I get that but this is the evolution of what Royal Caribbean is doing. And again, it goes back to, I firmly believe, economy of scale. If they can make as much money with a Radiance class as they do in a Oasis class ship, this conversation would not be happening. I think you can make an easy argument for that. But in the case of what they're doing now as a business, and as a and as a business they have, their first goal is to return the maximum investment to their, to their stockholders, their shareholders, they, this is the direction they're gonna go in. And I just don't see that changing unless something fundamentally changes or there is some, I, I can't even imagine, some unforeseen uh, circumstance that is just so completely off the wall, different than the current model now that it just changes all up. But that's the, that's my opinion, by the way. I, I mean, I could be wrong on this, but it seems to be where the industry is heading. Next, we have an email from Robin Banks from Memphis, Tennessee, where it's, hi, Matt, I'm Robin, and I enjoy your blog, podcast, Facebook pages, and YouTube channel, all of whom to be a wealth of resources as I plan my cruise. My family, parents, and brother and his family are taking an Eastern Caribbean cruise on Harmony of the Seas in October. There are a total of 10 of us, including a two-year-old and a three-year-old. From what I understand, Harmony will dock in Crown Bay at St. Thomas. What's the easiest, most cost-effective way to get us to downtown Charlotte Amalier for shopping, etc.? What do we do if we don't have car seats for the little ones, or is there anything to do at Crown Bay Port? I know have site offers shopping, dining, etc. Royal Caribbean offers a harbor safari transfer to shopping, but it's $20 a person. I'm hoping there's a better option there. Thanks for all you do. Robin, the nice thing about actually uh, Crown Bay, thanks for the email, by the way, is Crown Bay is located basically really close to downtown. Haven site is off in the on the side and kind of further away. So to get to downtown Charlotte Mali, you have a couple different options. You can certainly walk there. I think it's feasible to do that. Uh, somewhat practical, I mean, depending on how hot it is, I suppose. But October, eh, who knows? But anyway, you can certainly walk there. There are 
in St. Thomas, they have this weird taxi system that are basically like pickup trucks with benches on the back. It's just, I've only ever seen it in St. Thomas. But in the Caribbean, even though it is part of the United States, in the Caribbean, they kind of look the other way when it comes to car seats and all those other things. And uh, as a parent, I know you're, you're, you're a little weirded out by that, but I always remind my, my wife when she gets weirded out by it, hey, look, when we were kids, we sat on our parents' lap, seatbelts were kind of like, you have a seatbelt in your car? You know, or maybe not, they weren't there, they just, we never used them. But anyway, you know, it's, it's obviously things have changed, but to get to downtown Charlotte-Malier, you should have no problem doing them. The only thing I really don't like about these, the, the, these pickup truck, taxi things, whatever you want to call it, is um, the, the nature of the taxi business where if you walk up and be like, hey, I'd like to take a taxi with my family here to go downtown, a lot of times they'll be like, okay, hop in, and then they wait like 10 more minutes to see if they can get anybody else to pick up. Now then again, you said you have a number of folks, I think 10 people, so maybe you, it's a lot different than you than you know, a party of four, but um, anyway, you should be aware of that. But being in Crown Bay is makes for much easier access to downtown Charlotte Malier. Next up, we have an email from Jennifer, who writes, Hi, Matt. Love the blog. We're going on Rhapsody of the Seas next year to Italy and Croatia. I listen to your blog every week for tips and helps count down the days till the cruise. This is my family's first cruise. I have a question about specialty dining. If we do not purchase an unlimited package, are we charged a la carte for our orders, or is there a set price to pay for dining at each restaurant? Online, I saw there's a cover charge to dining at each restaurant. Is this in addition to the price for a la carte orders. I hope you can shed some light on this because we're confused as to whether or not it would be worth it to get a dining package if we have to pay a cover charge in addition to our orders. Thanks, keep up the great work. So when it comes to the specialty restaurants, almost all of them have a, just a cover charge, Jennifer, and that's it. So you go to Chop's Grill, you're gonna pay, I don't know, $40, $50 per person. And that includes pretty much all the food. There are a couple things on some menus that cost extra. As an example, Jennifer, in Chop's Grill, there's a seafood tower, which does cost extra. In I'm trying to think of another example of one that has an additional cost, but go with but a vast majority. I mean, like 90% of the menu there is included with your covered charge. So it's generally speaking, Royal Caribbean's especially restaurants are either covered charge or they're a la carte. The a la carte restaurants really these days it's just a zoomy sushi. So if you go to the sushi restaurant and you order, you only pay for what you order. You order three rolls, you pay for three rolls. You pay for your you order a soup, all you're paying for is soup. And there's no cover charge associated with that. The nice thing about the dining packages is it will cut the price down significantly. There's no doubt a dining package will save you money. The question is, do you want to eat at that many specialty restaurants in order to take advantage of it? And also you need to wait to make a reservation once on board the ship. And Jennifer also wants to know, uh, we'll be going on a cruise over Halloween night. Will there be Halloween activities or trick-or-treating? Uh, should our kids bring their Halloween costumes? Yes, absolutely bring your costumes. There will be activities on board. They're gonna do, I mean, it will vary from ship to ship, but if you're sailing over Halloween, like on October 31st, you will have almost certainly trick-or-treating, decorations, even maybe even a Halloween costume contest. You should expect Halloween activities on board your ship. Next up, we have an email from Jill Cruz and family from Brookings, South Dakota. Uh, we've been following the podcast on Facebook. Right now, we're on ovation of the season on a seven-day sailing to Alaska. We're having a fabulous time. We splurged on a two-bedroom grand suite. This is we have my parents, husband, and two kids who are six and eight with me. Who knew that the concierge lounge would become my six-year-old daughter's favorite place on the ship? Bing Bay, the concierge, is patient with all of our questions and multiple stories about our adventures for the day. My daughter is officially now a sweet snob and thinks it's the only way to cruise. She said she never wants to be in a normal room again. As we sat in our huge balcony room eating room service as we sailed past the glacier, I would tend to agree. This is our second time in a suite. We were in the Royal Suite on Vision of the Seas at New Orleans this past January, where we got an amazing deal on the room. While we are only sky class on the sailing, my daughter calls Bing 
our genie, because to quote her exactly, quote, we ask her for something and bang, it happens. She arranged for us to meet the cast of Pixels and we were invited to watch practice the next day. We saw the uh, sound booth and were amazed by the technology in the show. We watched Pixels all four shows, the kids were transfixed. Glad we have the sweet card to get in without reservations. We did learn that the WoW bands aren't allowed to be used to check the kids at Adventure Ocean. You still need to have the Sea Pass card for that. Also, a huge advantage of the key on the ship is the priority lines for bumper cars. Only the key in Star Class, which are eight rooms, get that privilege. In Sky Class, we still had to stand in line, the regular line, and waited a good one and a half hours for bumper cars. Wow. We're going on your group cruise next time so we get that special event time. So I was jealous for the key people then. iFly was amazing. My son said it was the best thing in his entire life. Poor kid, you peaked at age eight. <laughs> we did the North Star twice, once with reservations and once they had an open time with no reservations needed. This is our 10th Royal Caribbean cruise and we just learned about the cruising ducks. Have you shared this with listeners on our podcast? Our kids love finding and rehiding little rubber ducks all over the ship. Uh, this is much more than I, sh I sh could share, but we're off to the Windsor Mare for lunch, and I know you were recently on the ship sailing. Joe, thanks so much for the email. And uh, first of all, the 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 fact that your your kids love the suite is a lot like my kids now. When we book a cruise, we get around to coming up on a cruise. The, one of their first questions is, "Are we staying in a suite? Do we have gold cards?" no and then of course they just like oh god it's like like we're taking them to i don't know go camping in the middle of the desert or something <laughs> because we're not in a suite it's like come on um but yeah that's really cool and the other thing you mentioned about the duck so there's it's kind of a recent phenomenon jill i'm not even sure how i feel about it um so basically this is basically there's a number of folks out there who've taken it upon themselves to basically take rubber duckies and hide them around the ship it's kind of like a do you remember, I don't know if I may not, but do you remember the the thing where you would um, get dollar bills, you one dollar bills, and they would have on there a stamp like Find My George or whatever it was, and basically you could uh, see where that particular dollar bill had been over the course of, you know, people would, if you had it in Brookings, South Dakota, you would find the dollar bill, look up its serial number on the website, um, you know, enter, okay, this was in Brookings, South Dakota, and then why find it here in Orlando, Florida, I would put it there and you can say, wow, that this dollar bill started off in South Dakota, then went to Orlando. And, you know, it's kind of cool to see that. It's kind of like the same thing where people hide these rubber ducks on there. And on the rubber ducks, there's a little tag usually like, oh, go to this Facebook page or something and take a photo with it and then rehide it for somebody else or take it home with you, whatever you want to do. Um, the reason why I, I feel kind of conflicted about it is I get the idea. It's kind of neat. It's just not my jam personally. Uh, and of course, you know, your people are putting the ducks in ever more creative spots, which I'm not sure will cause any kind of problem. Probably not. I mean, I'll be honest. I don't think it's a big deal. Um, but I know a lot of folks really do enjoy that. And it's become kind of a little bit of a cult phenomenon, if you will, Jill. So anyway, thanks for the email. I'm glad to hear that your kids are sweet stops and your eight-year-old already peaked and you're having a great time on Ovation of the Seas. Next up, we have an email from... Who's this from? Oh, Jason. He writes, big listener to your podcast. My family and I have booked our cruise on Harmony of the Season in September, and we have some concerns about on space for our two young kids. My question is, what's the best way to get upgraded from regular interior room to a spacious room? I would tell you the best way to upgrade is to book the room you want to do. Royal Grimmie does offer the Royal Up program, which is a means of which to do a bid to upgrade. The problem is, Jason, there may not actually be an opportunity to do so. And at the end of the day, if you want a specific room category, book that room category. Because I think that's... The bidding option is low likelihood of acceptance, and I would hate for you to be banking on that and be stuck in the room you're currently on. So the best way to upgrade is simply tell your travel agent, hey, I want to upgrade. Even if you're past final payment, Jason, 
when it comes to Royal Caribbean, if you want to pay more money, they generally will take more money. So that's okay. If you're downgrading, that's that's a, that's a problem. But upgrading, and when I say upgrading, I'm, I mean spending more money, not usually a problem. Jason also writes, also any inside tips for traveling on Harmony with a two and four year old? What things should I do upon boarding the ship like register for activities? Any tips on getting a good spot in the dining room that's ideal for young children? When you get to the two year old, well, for both kids, you want to register them in Adventure Ocean. So the two year old will be at the nursery, the four year old will be in Aquanauts, go on embarkation day, usually about one o'clock they start it up and you take full advantage of it, Jason. You, know, you heard me earlier talk about the why I love Adventure Ocean and it goes both ways. For the kids, it's activities for them to do on their level, right? Because at the end of the day, you know, a lot of things you might want to do on the ship are not things they want to do on the ship, like seeing shows or what have you. And at their age, the creative factor that is that is provided to them in the nursery Adventure Ocean is well worth it. Now, the nursery does have an additional cost. The Adventure Ocean is kind of much for most of the day. It only has a charge if you stay there late at night. And, but I'm telling you right now, it's from one parent to another, Jason, it is worth every single penny. Make it happen. Do there. And your other question was about a good spot in the dining room that's a deal for young children. I think if you're if you're talking about the main dining room, it's irrelevant where you sit. Uh, there's no issue there at all. It's all the same. It's just different locations. But there's no uh, benefit to one spot or another. Um, uh, I'm not even. I, I, I can't even imagine. You're. Th I mean, if you even if you met the buffet, the Windjammer, I, I just can't think of why one spot would be better than another one. But no, I, I think you're. Uh, you know, when it comes to um, you know, I would tell you if you have young kids and waiting around is a problem, you know, patience with children, not exactly a virtue for them. Uh, I would tell you that you should probably do traditional dining if you can, so that you have a set time, you're not waiting around for, you know, to get an available table. Just something I can think of. Uh, next email is from Barbara, who writes, Hello, Matt. Thanks for the great podcast and live shows. Thanks for helping uh, people out with all your information. When going to a specialty restaurant and any Royal Caribbean ship, how much are you supposed to tip? Also, if you're doing the ultimate dining package, can you remove the tips from the main dining room from your bill? Barbara, good, thanks for the email. So the when you go to a specialty restaurant, the cover charge you pay is includes the tip, the gratuity, as well as the... Um, uh, extra service charge essentially for for going there. So when you go to Chops Grill and you pay what it, the cover charge there, that is included of it. There is an opportunity to give additional gratuity, but Barbara, at the bottom of your receipt, you will see exactly what I just said in much more eloquent terms, explaining that you know this is already included, but you have the opportunity to tip more. So bottom line is, if you're content with your meal, uh, you know you should feel sufficient in that your cover charge did include it. Obviously, if your server is amazing and you want to tip them more, absolutely welcome to do so. When it comes to the ultimate dining package, removing tips from the waiter, don't forget your, it's kind of somewhat misleading because the gratuities also go to the wait staff in general. Um, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm just to share my opinion, Barbara. I'm not saying that this is necessarily gospel. I Even if I had the ultimate dining package, I never removed the gratuities uh, for anybody. Don't forget the automatic gratuities also uh, cover your stateroom attendant. Maybe you're gonna, you know, remove them and do them yourself. I mean, the bottom line is you can always remove them by going to guest services. But I always implore you to remember that you still need to, to tip. It's part of the system, for better or worse, at least until it changes. Um, but you still need to do so. And a lot of the times, the same waiters who you see in the dining room are working in the Windjamer for breakfast or lunch, uh, serving you as well over there. So personally, I don't remove them, even if I do have a dining package the entire cruise. Um, that's my style, my opinion. I'm not saying I'm right or wrong or you're right or wrong, Barbara. I just want to kind of share my perspective on that. 
Next, we have an email from Angela. Right time, Matt, I was listening to your podcast about three weeks ago and became an insider at the same time after I originally found you on YouTube and I was searching for Royal Caribbean videos. I started listening to episode 301 of the podcast where you were being interviewed for celebrating 300 podcast milestone. I almost fell out of my chair as I had said the same exact thing when I went on my cruise back in June to Bermuda on Anthem of the Seas. I had also gone to Rome last year and spent two days there before taking the Western Mediterranean cruise on Symphony. We stayed in a junior suite and had an amazing time. When you were asked on the spot for three features you would want to see on a new ship, your answer was to have something similar to a 24 hour a day diner restaurant where you could eat breakfast, food, burgers, 24 hours a day. Thank you for saying that wishlist option for future ships for Royal Caribbean. I hope it happens one day. I have four cruises reserved already, all the way through September 2020. The two cruises in 2020 are on Oasis of the Seas, and I've booked both cruises to have a balcony in Central Park. I thank you for your hard work and efforts. Keep us fellow cruise maniacs informed and educated. Angela, thank you so much. I really appreciate that, and I really hope that diner option ever comes to fruition. I don't know that it will, but man, I would love, love, love to have a good diner on board a ship. You know, just diner food, man. If you grew up in the Northeast, the United States, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Next, we have an email from Shane. He writes, Hi, Matt. Just found your podcast and love it. A few questions about our upcoming cruise. We're selling on Oasis of the Seas first sailing after upgrade on November 24th. Is this a good thing? Will it be filled Will it, with it being the very first sailing? Worried about them not having all the kinks worked out. Shane, I'm going to stop you right there. Uh, first of all, I'm on the same sailing as you, so maybe we'll see each other on board. And you should be aware, Shane, there's a possibility of, of a hiccup or a feature not fully completed there. Um, we recently saw this with Mer with Navigator this season, I should say, uh, earlier this year that she had returned from Dry Dock. And actually, one sailing was canceled, and then I think some features were not available for at least one or two additional sailings beyond that. It's the nature of the beast, and I would tell you, my advice is if you are not, if you're not willing to be, there's nothing wrong with this, by the way, but if you're not willing to be flexible with perhaps a feature add-on or option not available on the first sailing after Dry Dock, you should change your sailing. Um, and, and I say that because there are some people who feel that way. Personally, I'm going well, I'm going on the sailing anyway because it's over Thanksgiving, so it works out scheduling-wise for me. But I'm also going on that sailing because even so, I'm willing to say, okay, if you know a particular restaurant wasn't ready yet or a venue wasn't quite 100% yet, I'm willing to say I understand that. And Royal Caribbean is usually pretty good about communicating that, but it could be an issue. Now, I say that I gave you the example of Navigator. On Mariner of the Seas, which had a refurbishment earlier than that, they had no issues, such issues there. So it's kind of hit or miss. There's no way to know about it. But if you're sitting there and saying, look, I don't want to be impacted by that. I want to enjoy all the new features and I don't want to compromise with it at all. Then you should probably skip the first two or three sailings after a dry dock just to ensure there. Shane also writes, we plan on bringing two bottles of wine with us. And we're curious as to the procedure of getting it on board. Basically, all you do, Shane, is just put it in your carry-on luggage. So you get to the port, you give the porters your regular luggage, right? But you keep the wine with you with your regular luggage. And as you go through security, they will see the wine there. And they're just going to identify that it is wine. And you have two bottles. That's it. You don't have to tell anybody. You don't have to declare anything. It's not like, I, excuse me, I have two bottles of wine here. Nobody cares, sir. <laughs> um, <laughs> they, now, the only issue you might have is if you bring more than two bottles. I've had I've seen this in the past. Like, where if we have two staterooms booked, you're allowed to bring, well, then four bottles, right? And you can just explain that away. Oh, we have two staterooms here, so that's good to go. So you're good to go there. And Shane's last question is, uh, one of our stops is Labadee. If we purchase the drink package, is it good on the island too? Yes, it is, Shane. So there you go. And we have time for one more email. There's some really good questions. I like this. Some all over topics. It's always nice. And our last email is from Benedict, who writes, enjoy listening to your podcast. I just got back from a 14-night Baltic cruise on Explorer of the Seas. This is my 10th cruise and eighth with Royal Caribbean. Overall, we enjoyed the trip, found the ship in some areas to feel a little bit tired and in need of renovation. 
I'm booked on a nine night New England cruise in uh, 2020. As this was on grandeur this season, I'm a bit worried that my, my, me and my parents might find the same ship a bit dated. I was just wondering if you or anyone said on grandeur recently and if the ship is feeling tired in any way. The cruise director said on the morning show that the ship had the highest number of repeat cruisers in the fleet, so something must be good about it. Benedict, thank you for the email. You know, it's an interesting topic. Uh, both, first of all, vision and grandeur are both of the same category. They're both vision class ships, so they're of the same vintage, if you will. But you are right. I've heard the same things about grandeur. I've not, by the way, for the record, I've not been on vision or grandeur, but I have been on Rhapsody this season, which is a similar, again, another vision class ship. I will tell you this about all the older ships in the fleet, whether it's a vision class, a radiance class, a majesty, an empress of the seas. Look, they are older ships. It's just the nature of the beast. If you go into a car, I keep using the automobile example, but if you go into a car from the 80s, it could be pristine, but you're, I think your eye is going to notice that, well, it looks a little older, right? The 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 hood is square, not rounded like cars these days, right? And it's got a FM player, not a, you know, well, they don't have CD players anymore. Now they're just all, you know, digital in there. But the bottom line is, I think we as cruisers are so used to the latest and greatest that when you go on an older ship, you have to have your experiences in line. Now, that's one thing. Of course, there's also, a lot of times people say, you know, ships look tired or in need of, you know, refit. You know, if you want to look in corners and look for, you know, a, a piece of rusted metal or a chipped paint, you can find that anywhere. I mean, I, I, I try not to look at it that way. I think you still have a great cruise experience and Granger does have a very good reputation. And there was actually a recent article on cruisecritic.com where they kind of highlighted Granger because they have such a great reputation. I would argue that being in Baltimore, I think it's so, so many ships, it, it, the, where, they, where they're located, locals will flock to no matter almost what ship it is. I say almost, but you know, we've, I've seen this phenomenon in other ports, primarily Port Canaveral, where a lot of people who will, you know, used to swoon about Enchantment of the Seas when she was here, and before that was some other ship, Majesty, and you know, it's just, if it's in your backyard, it's in your backyard, and you tend to gravitate towards it, and you, you know, it's, it, it's, it's like the old song, right? If you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with. It's kind of like that. I'm putting this out there kind of as a half joke, half truth, where it's it's not bad. I wouldn't tell you. There's not one ship in this fleet I don't recommend you go on. But you should understand what the ships offer and what they don't offer. And at the end of the day, Royal Caribbean is not going to take a ship like Grandeur or Vision and say, you know what, we're going to completely rip up this ship apart. Uh, you know, it's serving its purpose, and at the end of the day, I think repeat cruisers may notice things that new cruisers don't, but Royal Caribbean is very much based on customer feedback, and if it becomes an issue where enough people say something about it, perhaps I'll change their tune on that, but like I said earlier, um, there's very much a business aspect to it, uh, so they're not just going to, you know, reef, you know, rip apart a ship every X amount of years just to simply make them more modern and up to date, it's just a different experience. So, anyway, all that being said... I think you'll, I, I think, I have no reason to believe you won't have a great time on Grandeur of the Seas. I certainly wouldn't worry about it. I don't go on any ship thinking, oh gosh, you know, it's like that. You can notice certain things. If you want to look for problems, I'm sure they exist, but it's, it shouldn't stop you from enjoying a great vacation experience. That's, I think, the bottom line that I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to share here, so... There you go. And of course, thank you to everybody for listening to this episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. Uh, of course, you can always send me your emails by sending them to matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.